Hello and welcome to the GMHBA Healthier Together podcast series. This series has been developed to assist you to master your health and well-being. Health is too hard when you try to go it alone, and we know that together we are healthier. Today on the show, we'll be discussing safe sleep and settling in infants with Cindy Davenport, who is the director of Safe Sleep Space. Cindy is a registered midwife and maternal and child health nurse. She is member of the Lactation Consultants of Australia and New Zealand and the Australian Breastfeeding Association and has worked in the early parenting field since 1998. Cindy is passionate about the health and well-being of families and offers a sensible, response-based approach to help babies and children with sleep problems. Cindy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Firstly, can you tell us a bit about the common sleep and settling challenges you see in infants? Absolutely. So infants and our toddlers, lots of sleep challenges for our beautiful families Australia-wide. We tend to see about 40% of all infants and toddlers across Australia who have a sleep challenge. So don't feel like you're on your own if this is happening and we're here to help you here today in the podcast. So some of the common things that we see in our infants and toddlers are very much around having our babies go to sleep or they wake halfway through the night, or parents are using a sleep association, like driving around in a car at night or feeding them to sleep, or they're doing this catnapping. So these are all things that we're going to talk about here today in our podcast and how we can help you. Can you explain what a response-based approach to sleep and settling in is? Yeah, so it's a great um, way that we know now a lot more about our little babies and toddlers, but all about their brains. Thanks to some fabulous gurus in the world of research, we know so much about how little babies' brains form and why being responsive to them is the best way to go and very evidence-based practices associated with developing these little brains and if we tune in and respond to our babies we're more likely to get the better outcomes. If we use behavioural approaches which are really outdated now so things like controlled crying they're not evidence-based in the way that we know that being responsive to our babies is the way to go. So best practice and across Australia we very much hope that families are now using and engaged with a response-based approach that is, we, we go in, we listen to our babies, we look at them, we hear what they're saying and we go very much on their cues that they're telling us rather than looking at a clock and going, you know, do we go in and respond to this baby? It's two minutes. A little baby doesn't know what two minutes is. They don't have a clock. All they know is it's a long time before they see their mum or dad or their carer and they just cry. And so that's not what we do. We don't want our infants to cry. We want them to settle to sleep in a way that is responsive. So we're going to go in and help you as parents respond to your child. And what we know and what we see in practice is that this works so much better for families. It's it's not in your gut instinct to not respond to your baby. And, you know, babies cry as a means of communication That's the only way that they can communicate with us till they get words. So we're meant to respond to our babies crying. We're not meant to ignore those cries and leave them for two minutes or four minutes or however long that behavioural approach is. It doesn't make sense. We need to go in, see what they're saying to us and respond in an appropriate, very, very much uh, gentle and respectful way of settling our babies to sleep. And that's what we do. Okay, then. So what would be your top five evidence-based sleep and settling hints for 
infants. So the top things that we really have parents really try to hone in and understand and what we at our organisation at Safe Sleep Space do is really understand that each child first and foremost is so different and each parent needs to understand that no baby fits in a, in a box and so the more we understand our babies and their different unique temperaments that they show us, the more that we can understand how to prepare them for sleep, how to wind them down and then respond accordingly. The next biggest thing is we need to also understand why babies sometimes won't settle for us and there are some big things here and one of the biggest things is is we need to make sure that they're not hungry if a baby is hungry they need to be fed so parents need to know and understand that if their infant needs feeding and overnight then this is okay biologically babies are meant to be fed around the 24-hour clock we can always settle a baby to sleep but you know, they will wake 20 minutes later if they are hungry. So my first tip advice is, if your baby is hungry, feed them. They are hungry. And it doesn't mean that because everyone else's baby is sleeping through, then each baby needs to be on their own merits. And if they're hungry, truly, we need to feed them. The next biggest one is is to understand that babies really um, mix up, if you like, the difference between day and night. Until they're about five months of age, they truly, when a parent says to us, hey, Cindy, my baby doesn't know the difference between day and night, they seem to have it turned the other way around. Well, absolutely they are right because a baby, again, biologically does not know the difference between day and night. They don't have much circadian rhythm until they're about five months of age and this again is normal a baby's meant to wake day and night and even beyond that five months doesn't mean they sleep through then either and the reason for that is is that um, babies will mix it up a bit but there are ways that we can help you to help them to settle for a little bit longer as well so that's that's the second piece of advice the third real part that we do is we really want parents to understand that there are different tide signs that a baby gives us and um, we all know tide signs when when we see them but what we love you to understand or help first is is that uh, you need to get the early tide signs so it's too late once your baby's yawning and really rubbing their eyes they should have been in bed ages ago it's way too late we need the early signs because what we see for tide signs is our little baby's delta brain waves winding down for sleep If we miss those early tide signs, like the long, slow stare or the long blink or the the little sort of turning their head away and we think, ah, they're actually still engaged and I can read them another book. No, they're actually winding down their brainwaves for sleep and they're telling us that, hey, I've really had a bit of enough now and I'm getting tired. So for parents, the biggest things is don't miss the early, the really subtle tide signs because if you can get them into bed before they're overtired... And this is quite quite a, a big thing because an overtired baby, particularly an overtired infant and toddler, they are very, very difficult to then settle to sleep. We all know what that's like dealing with an overtired baby. And so we then need to, to help parents with that understanding. The next big thing I think too is, is understanding how our infants can associate ways in going to sleep. So we use things that uh, we call dependent sleep associations and independent ones. And so very much it is what it says. A dependent sleep association is how a baby learns to go to sleep because they're depending on being rocked or held or driven around in the car. And so in fairness to the little baby, they don't know any other way to go to sleep. So one of the biggest things and challenges for parents is to maybe not use that dependent sleep association as much. We'll talk a little bit about that further in the podcast. But uh, how do we help not use those those sleep associations and use things that are 
independent, like white noise. And again, we'll, we will talk about that after as well. And finally, the, the fifth sort of tip is, is if you feel as a parent that your baby is unwell, never, ever really try and settle them. And one of the biggest things here is often, you know, if they're, um, they've got an ear infection or there might be something else, go with your gut instinct. Majority and most of the time we know, parents, you are right. You know if your baby's not right or not well. So always reach out to your supports and have them checked. If you think your baby's particularly unsettled, it's it's fine, fantastic to make sure that someone else looks at them and checks them because nine times out of ten, the parents are always right. They know their babies. And so go with your gut instinct and have your baby settled. And if it is something that is more of a medical issue, don't ignore that and and reach out to your supports. So Cindy, do you have a a guide or a tip sheet for how many sleeps an infant should be having at various ages? Very much a guide. Anything we do along our lines is there's, there's no set specific number of hours but very much um, in best practices we do we know that there's a number of hours that our little infants as they develop um, need or should require over a 24-hour period and that's probably the first thing try not to count they've had 20 minutes here or 30 minutes here and add it all up it's it's really consistently what is over a 24-hour period and for each baby it does vary some babies don't need quite as much as other babies do need and we're very much um guided again by our 24-hour Australian um, government um, movement guidelines and this is fantastic because and I'd recommend that we have a look at this is um, that because we know that our babies need a certain amount of sleep but they also talk about what sedentary behavior is and also what physical activity so they combine the three elements over the day so for a little baby very much you know a newborn baby we know they spend a lot of their time in sleep you know 16 17 hours across a 24-hour period but as they get older like a three to four month old they'll probably go to 14 or 15 hours or of so of sleep across the 24-hour period until they're reaching right up to sort of that uh, you know 12 month mark then you know they're probably going to need between 13 12 to 14 hours of sleep but also it's really important for parents now to understand that uh, we also don't want them to be sleeping in unsafe ways as well and having any of those practices like in car seats um, or prams is certainly not best practice as well and I think that's another part where safe infant sleeping is something that really needs to be discussed as well with your health professional provider but making sure that you're doing the baby's sleep across this 24-hour period in a very safe but also a responsive way. So can you explain for us what the infant sleep cycle is and how to get them in sync with the 24-hour day. Absolutely. So with a little infant, with all of us, we have a sleep cycle. So us as adults, toddlers, obviously, and so do infants. It's the number of minutes that is in that sleep cycle. So a lot of people will, will will look at a sleep cycle and go, there is what we call a deep sleep and a light sleep. So throughout the night or throughout the sleep period, all of us, wave between deep and light sleep. It's just the fragments of how often we are in those deep and light sleep. For a baby, so we talk about an infant here, so infants being zero to 12 months, their sleep cycle, that is the time they go down into a deep sleep, up into a light sleep cycle, is only about 35 to 45 minutes. And a toddler, well, their sleep cycle moves a little bit towards 60 minutes. For us as adults, 
we have about a 90 to 120 minute sleep cycle. And so for parents, this is where the big term catnap comes in because parents will often say to me, hey, 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 I know, ah, my baby's only catnapping. And I say, I've got it. You can uh, bake a cake and you don't even need to put the timer on and bingo at 35 minutes, your baby's awake. <laughs> and that's exactly what happens because the baby, it goes off into a sleep, one sleep cycle. So that means they go down to their deep sleep and then they come up into their light sleep and they don't know how often to resettle or go back into another sleep cycle and sync them together. So this is this is a very, very common issue that parents um, experience and you're not on your own. And for all of those people listening, it's a really easy one to overcome. It's something we deal with on a day-to-day basis and often it has to do with the, the sleep, the way that uh, little infants are put to sleep. So, for example, with um, an infant who might go to sleep being held in a parent's arms or perhaps fed to sleep or, as we see often, um, driven around in a car. They need that movement or rocking to go to sleep. The little infant then goes down into their deep sleep and often takes about four to 15 minutes to get into that little deep sleep or down into that cycle. And then they get into that deep sleep and then very much, as I say, after about 35 minutes, they come up into a light sleep cycle. Well, guess what? They don't know how to go back down into the next cycle unless they've got that beautiful mum feeding them to sleep or dad feeding them or driving them around in the car or rocking them to sleep because they are dependent on that association to get themselves back into a next cycle. And so for us, we very much work with parents on saying, how can we just get rid of that dependent sleep association? We don't want you to stop feeding them. Babies need feeding, but we just don't want you to feed them all the way into the deep sleep, or we don't want you to rock them all the way into that sleep. We will certainly want you to cuddle and nurture your babies. We don't want you to stop doing that. We don't want you to be driving around with them or pushing them over in a pram or anything that is unsafe. So very much over a period of time, we work with our families and help them to break that dependent association and help their little one then go into the next sleep cycle on their own. And it's very effective. And most parents, once they can do this, all the problems of their sleep are often resolved. And it's something that we see on a day-to-day basis and very much easily overcome. What are sleep progressions in an infant? Sleep progressions. We love to call them sleep progressions is in it is where a baby is stumbling, I guess. It's a word we often, when, when it comes to sleep, we try not to use sleep in a, um, a too much of a negative way. Babies have different issues around sleep for lots of reasons across their little lives. And what we try to do is, you know, not try to enforce the fact that it is negative that a baby's not sleeping because often a baby needs to wake and feed so they're not sleeping. There might be something happening for that baby. And one of these things is what we call a progression, all right, because very much around Parents will say, oh, my baby, we get calls and they'll say, oh, my baby's regressing. They're having a sleep regression. And we say, no, it's not a regression. Think of it as a positive. It's a progression because what is happening at this period of time is the little baby's brain is doing a little burst. It's learning. It's usually alongside a developmental milestone. So often parents will say to them, tell me how old your baby is. And and 
what's happening? And they go, well, yep, they've just started rolling or they've just started to sit or the parents say, you know, saying they're just starting to talk a bit more. And we go, there you go. The little baby is saying to you, just a moment, mum, dad, I'm really trying to get mastering these skills in crawling and rolling and talking and I just can't get the sleep going at the same time right now. It won't take me long, but I'm, I will get back to it. So what we call a sleep progression rather than a regression because it is the baby's brain doing a little burst of development. It's a really positive thing that they're doing this little dip in their sleep. They'll come back. They always do. And when you say it like that, you know, for all you lovely, wonderful parents out there, you go, okay, they often have a aha moment going, ah, that's why you weren't sleeping because now you're walking or you're now talking a bit more. And how wonderful is that, that our little babies are developing so well? Why do you suggest using shushing and patting? So shushing and patting is something that we've used for a long, long time. And it is a way of responding. So very, very normal. If you walk out in the street, you'll see a mum holding a baby, perhaps patting or shushing, or we all do, you know, shush. And I'll, I'll explain how we do the shush. So this, this actually links in with what we call white noise. So shushing and patting has is, is probably no surprises for many because it's come about from where the baby is being in utero. So when a baby is in utero for an, a term baby for around nine months, it's actually nine months and around three weeks that they're in utero, that beautiful time that they are in utero, they hear two wonderful sounds. They hear three actually. So they hear, they love to hear voices. So very much they love to hear voices of both mum and dad or, or other partner. It's so, so important that, that the dads and the other partners are aware of this because one of the things we see at, at delivery when a baby is born is the, the dad or the, the other partner will go and with the baby and perhaps cut the cord. And when that baby um, has a little bit of a, a a cry, the dad will naturally talk to the baby and the baby will often have a little look or a glance up because he or she has recognised that that father or the partner's voice. So very important that dads and other partners there that you talk with your baby while they're in utero. The second things that they hear when in utero is they hear the heartbeat of the mother and the other sound that they hear is all the digestive system of the mother. So that's all the blood going through the placenta. And that, when you hear it, when, when the doctor puts the uh, ultrasound on parents, you hear the Doppler sounds. And that Doppler sounds is like a swooshing noise. If you remember, it goes like this. And so it's, we have a made-up shushing. Yeah, it's come from our babies who know those two sounds. So the heartbeat and the shushing sound is impregnated on their uh, brain as the first two neural pathways that a baby ever develops. And so when parents come to us and they say, oh, I really, I don't know how to settle my baby to sleep, we go, well, you know what? Your baby is actually born really clever. They have had these two sounds they've listened to for nine months and a few weeks. So when they're born, they know those two sounds. So it makes sense to use those two tools if you like, the shushing and the heartbeat. And that's where we get the pat, pat. And that's why we pat our little babies and, and listen to that same replication of the mother's heartbeat. Not too quick, just the mother's. Yeah. And this is what we call white noise. So white noise, parents 
you'll all have heard about this. And uh, there's a couple of things around white noise that we love to, to help you with. And uh, white noise is essentially replicating that shushing and that padding. Try to, when you're downloading white noise, that you have those two sounds together because they've got those two pathways. They don't need one and not the other. They kind of need both if you can. So get a white noise that has the heartbeat and the and the uh, the shushing on it as well. And uh, what we do is we you can use that white noise. What we do know about safety and use of white noise though is really important. You you need to be careful using white noise that you don't have it uh, on a device that is too close to the baby's head try to have it at least a couple of meters so for example um, we were asked this question a long time ago why we never put our white noise we actually have this white noise sorry and the heartbeat on our website that you can download free so it's available on the website and we were always asked why didn't you put it on the app the strategies app rockabub and we said well we just weren't sure if it was on the phone the iphone or an Android phone, whether that was going to be placed too close to the baby's head. Mm. Well, absolutely. You need to have it two metres away. So this is why if you're putting it on your phone, make sure that phone is two metres away from the baby's head. Don't have it on for any long, lengthy periods of time, all right? Suggest it is only about 30 minutes at a time. We just don't quite know what it's doing to the inner ear. And the other thing is just don't have it on too loud. So we say don't have it any louder than about 50 decibels. And you're probably all going to say, what does 50 decibels mean, Cindy? (laughs) And 50 decibels is quiet like this conversation tone. If you've got it on as loud as a vacuum, that's 70 decibels, that's too loud. So Mm. turn it down. Okay. So using white noise is an independent sound, and it's it's good. Yeah. So can you tell us what are some other age-appropriate sleep and settling strategies? Yeah, so what we know is with our little ones, and for parents as well here, really look at your baby's age and stage. And because some babies, you know, do things at different paces, but what we know and understand from our little babies' brains is they can't do some things at certain times. So as I say, biologically, they might be not able to sink their day and night. So we can't expect them to be settled and to go back to sleep all night. They need to wake and feed, as I said. So we we tend to look at our little infants and their cues and respond. And how we do our steps and with our um, settling is, is that we really want to have a listen to the baby and look and see what they're cueing to us. What are they saying to us? What is their cry? A baby has four types of cries, and this is something that is really powerful for parents to understand. Um, they they have a cry, which is a grizzle, a little bit of a grizzle, 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 a little bit of a fussy cry. They might do, especially if they're around that eight or nine month age, they do what we call a vocalizing cry. So that's the la, la, la cry. Right. The fourth cry, though, is the one we really want to be tuned right into, and that is what we call a forceful cry. And so how we use our techniques is we ask the parents to listen to the type of cry and respond. Don't jump in too quickly if it's just a bit of a grizzle. The baby might be just nesting and getting themselves off to sleep, and they don't really need you. If you go in too quick and over-respond, they might go, oh, now you're here. Thanks, you can pick me up. But (laughs) we don't want to leave them either, so we listen. If their baby is having um, a forceful cry, 
then we need to be responding. We need to be in there. And that's when we start our shushing. We might shush from the door a little bit. We might go in and put a chair or we might beside the baby's cot and do some shushing. We might do a little bit of patting, gentle patting, or we might pat the end of the mattress where the baby's feet are and give that baby the opportunity to try to go back to sleep. If they're having a really sort of forceful cry, then we need to pick that baby up. And then what we call is put them into the nest of our neck and give them an upright cuddle. We always say, don't put them into a feeding cuddle because they're going to nuzzle in and think they're going to either be breast or bottle fed. So pop them in an upright cuddle and you'll know that the baby will settle quite quickly by responding to that smell of their of their parent. And they'll, they'll calm. And then if it's okay, then place them back in. Maybe keep your hands on them or do the shushing and patting. Don't leave them too quickly and if you're able to draw your hands out and then move towards the door and if they're okay then leave them to settle. If they're not okay the parent needs to go back in again. Do you have any resources for toddlers as well? We do. We have lots of toddler resources as well because often this is a tricky time for parents. So toddlers, are, we love toddlers. We love all our babies, but toddlers, are uh, they are the masters of delay. <laughs> they know how to delay their sleep. They've got words now and they're beautiful and we want to respond to them in the in the most appropriate way. So we do help our families, especially when you've got a toddler and a new baby. This is what we often see. And this is when parents, you know, are very tired and parents are trying to juggle the load of a toddler and a baby and perhaps work as well and multiple other things that we all do in our in our day-to-day life now. So we, we again have a very response-based approach and we have lots of resources on our website including um, lots of links and blog posts and articles on how to help our toddlers and our infants, um, all on all available on our website as well. But very much a guided step-by-step approach and um, helping the parents um, understand their, their baby or their toddler and then getting to it. When we actually want to change a little baby or a toddler's sleep pattern, we need to take our time with it. It's a trust thing you're building up with your baby and your toddler. So it will happen over a period of days to, to a week or so very consistently with both um, carers doing the same thing. So babies don't like mixed messages and toddlers certainly don't like a mixed message. And with our toddlers, there's lots of different ways. We use a lot of role play with toddlers and we very much guide families on how to help. So yeah, we have settling strategies for both infants and toddlers. Now, GMHBA run a new family program. Can you explain what this is and when the best time is to be referred to this program? Mm. So GMHBA is um, a fantastic in their health fund in providing uh, for families this program that we've developed with them over a number of years now. And essentially what it is is we have a number of resources to help families from the pregnancy all the way through to the toddler period. So the best time to uh, jump on the GMHBA new family program, which is available on the web- on the GMHBA website and register for the program is in the pregnancy period because we have a very rich resource in there provided by ourselves through our sister organisation called Nourish Baby. And Nourish Baby essentially helps you with antenatal and early parenting, but antenatal parenting classes. We have a beautiful breastfeeding class, how to help you with childbirth and labour, a video class, pre and postnatal exercises, lots on the emotional health and wellbeing to help 
mums and dads and parents and grandparents even, and lots of very rich resources in there. And then part of the program then delivers all the infant and baby resources as well. So we have the step-by-step videos in here as well um, that are part of the program that is provided by GMHBA. And then coupled with this, we have a team ourselves of a clinical team and there are wonderful midwives, child health nurses and our early years educators who all work for ourselves within our organisation. And part of this program gives the member two phone consultations. So parents, as soon as the baby is born at three weeks and then around about three months, these are free as part of your program, you get a free 20-minute sleep consultation with our trained midwives and and clinical team. And so very much help you and guide you with this. So the program that GMHBA offer for you, uh, for new families, is very uh, jam-packed from the pregnancy all the way through to the toddler resources, including these clinical calls. And very much um, there's a booklet as well that goes and there's choices of some wonderful Aroma Baby skincare packs as well. Wow, that sounds fantastic. So jump on the GMHBA website to register for that program. Absolutely. Go to the GMHBA uh, website and click on the New Family Program link and you'll be able to register for the program or call up GMHBA and inquire um, as yourselves or, or, or simply ring our number as well, which is our 1300 775 337 number or for our other sleep and settling resources, including a link to the site is on our website as well. So our safesleepspace.com.au website. Fantastic. So if people wanted to look further afield for other resources, can you suggest any for us, Cindy? There's lots of wonderful resources. And I think the best things for families is also make sure that you always discuss and talk to your supports, your doctor, your maternal and child health nurse. We have some fabulous resources if in our, in our country as we need to help and guide our families. But the best resources are evidence-based resources, response-based sleep and settling. And these are all in incorporated into our program here that we offer via GMHBA. Fantastic. Cindy, thank you very much for joining us on the GMHBA Healthier Together podcast. It's been my absolute pleasure and thank you for having me. It's a new dawn in health insurance because GMHBA are partnering with AIA Vitality to encourage us to be healthier by rewarding healthy choices. Join GMHBA V Plus with AIA Vitality to earn real rewards for health checks, exercising, even eating well. Changing how you think about health insurance for life. GMHBA and AIA Vitality. Healthier together.